Well, keep your Bibles open to the book of Ruth. Our Mother's Day message today is going to be another story from the Old Testament. We had some wonderful stories in the Gospel of Mark about the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is an excellent storyteller. And then we've been taking some time to look into some of the interesting stories in the Old Testament, looking at Balaam, what an interesting character he was, and the tragic end of his life, and then looking into the capture of the ark and how God defended his own name last week when the Canaanites were oppressing the people of Israel. Well, from those more dark and depressing stories, we come to the book of Ruth, which in the opening chapter looks to be another dark and depressing story. But we must never judge the story by the opening chapter. We always have to read through to the end. And this is so true for our lives. As we had sung earlier in the call to worship, there are times in our lives where we feel that we are not at home. There are times in our lives perhaps when we feel that the walls of our life have fallen in on us and crushed our hopes and our dreams. And in those times, we have to remember that the story isn't over yet. And that's where Naomi is here in Ruth chapter 1. She had lost her home, that being her family, her husband, her sons. And life was very, very bitter for her. And she was experiencing the frown of God's providence. But that's only the beginning of her story. She didn't realize that she was actually living one of the greatest redemption stories in all of God's history. She didn't realize that she was not in a tragedy, but that she was in a story that was going to end in marriage and the birth of a very special child. She didn't realize that her story was not about God's frowning providence, but about God's blessed providence, and that it was about redemption and kindness and love and finding family once again after loss. This is the story of the book of Ruth, one of two books in the Bible that are named after women. And Ruth, while she doesn't talk a lot in the story, her actions are what drive the story along. As we see in Ruth and in Naomi and Boaz, Godly, wise character, an example for us to follow in so many ways. That's why we had Ruth chapter 1 as our scripture reading this morning, and I'm going to be walking us through Ruth chapters 2 and 3 as the focus in our sermon, and then wrapping things up with Ruth chapter 4. So would you bow your heads with me for an opening word of prayer? Father, as we come to your family this morning, we're pleased to be able to sit down together and listen to your stories. We love the stories that you tell, Father. They, they tell us a lot about who you are. They tell us a lot about how we are supposed to live our lives as your children. Even as when we were young children, we would sit and listen to the stories that our parents would tell so that we could get to know them. Now, as your children, we come together to sit and listen to the Holy Spirit speak and to tell us the stories that give us such great insight into your good providence and your power to redeem what we thought was lost. As we listen to the story this morning, Lord, we pray that you would give me the words to tell it in a way that is honoring and glorifying to you, and that you would give us all hearts that are ready to listen and to learn and to worship and to grow as a result of, of your powerful storytelling in the Holy Scriptures. We pray for our good and for your glory. Amen. So if you look there in Ruth chapter 2, we're going to pick up the story. As Naomi has returned with Ruth from the land of Moab, the famine in Israel is over. 
Bethlehem is ready for another harvest. And I'll remind you that this takes place, as we read in chapter 1, verse 1, in the days when the judges ruled. Now, if you read through the book of Judges, as many of us have been doing as a part of our adult Sunday school class, we're doing an Old Testament survey. This morning we talked about the book of Judges. You recognize that the book of Judges has a lot of darkness in it, has a lot of sin, a lot of idolatry, a lot of evil. And that the book of Judges then forms a a wonderful contrast with the book of Ruth, where coming out of the book of Judges, you've got more tragedy. You've got the famine. You've got being in a foreign land. You've got death. You've got all kinds of the same problems that you had in the book of Judges. And yet, there is a a glimmer of hope there in Ruth chapter 1, When this woman, this Moabite young woman, says to Naomi, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you, for where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord, Yahweh, do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Help comes from the most unlikeliest of places so often in the scriptures. And here is a ray of light in the life of Naomi, whose life has gone from sweet Naomi to bitter Mara, and yet she has Ruth, and that is going to be the difference maker in this woman's life. As we look into chapter 1, the big takeaway that I want you to have from the scripture reading was that the Lord has a plan and that we must wait till the end of the story to find out what that plan is. So let's read on then in chapter 2 and see what God's plan involved. I want to read for you the first two verses here and we see how Ruth takes action. Now, the narrator lets us know that Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, someone, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she, that is Naomi, said to Ruth, Go, my daughter. Now the narrator lets us know about Boaz, that he's a family member. And so we're getting a little bit of a foretaste, a premonition of something good that is going to happen with relationship to Boaz. And then we see that Ruth... She's not just sitting around moping, bemoaning her lot in life, but that she takes action. She has a plan. She shows immediate initiative to go and reap. Now, this raises a question in my mind as I hear about her going to the field and gleaning among the ears of grain after someone in whose sight she might find favor. If perhaps Naomi had told her, or if they were aware somehow of the law that was in Israel, that when you gleaned your fields, you weren't supposed to take all of the gleanings, but you were supposed to leave some behind for the poor, for the sojourner. Go back in your Bible from the book of Ruth to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 19, verses 9 and 10. One of my favorite laws in the law of Moses. So many good laws there. Leviticus 19, 9 and 10. The section title here in the ESV translation, is love your neighbor as yourself. And it's very easy to talk about loving your neighbor as yourself, but the wonderful thing about God's law is that it defines it for us, and it gives us practical examples to show us what does it look like to love your neighbor as yourself. You need wisdom, and that's what God's word gives to us. And this is what it says in Leviticus 19.9. 
When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Now, Ruth is both. She's poor and she's a sojourner. She has no field. She has no husband. She's in a foreign land. This is exactly the type of person who God had in mind when he wrote this law. And so now Ruth does that. She goes out and she's looking for favor from someone in the community that will allow her to go in the fields and do what God commanded Israel to do. However, remember, the people of Israel did a terrible job of following God's commands. And you read through the book of Judges and you find out that there's not a lot of people that know the Lord or are following the Lord or are putting his law into practice. And so we're thankful that God does have someone like Boaz, he's already mentioned, who is going to be this person in whose eyes Ruth finds favor, someone who fears the Lord, someone who cares about the poor and the sojourners. And so that's where we continue the story then. Ruth takes initiative. Naomi tells her, yes, that's a good idea. Pick it up there. In verse 3, so she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come, I like that, she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. What a coincidence. Could we have some providence going on here? Who was of the clan of Elimelech. Elimelech being Naomi's husband who had died in the land of Moab. Interestingly, Elimelech's name means my God is king. And so that's exactly what God wanted the people of Israel to know during the period of the judges. They didn't have a human king, but God was their king. And so Elimelech's name is very important here in the story of Ruth and where things are going. My God is king, Elimelech. But Elimelech died. The people of Israel were not following God as king. And therefore there's a lot of problems and we need a redeemer. We need a redemption story here. So that's where Boaz comes in. He's a family member. He's of the clan of Elimelech. Maybe he's a cousin to Elimelech. We don't know exactly what his relation is. Verse 4, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. Notice that he puts the Lord in his greeting. So we've told right off the front, this is a man who fears the Lord. He doesn't say, Baal be with you. He says, The Lord be with you. And he doesn't just say, Good morning. He says, The Lord be with you. He's got God in his talk. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? She is not one of his. Young women are involved in the harvest. They're part of the work that's done. The men have their role. The women have their role. And he sees this young woman and who is in his field. Well, who does she belong to? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. So, Boaz takes notice of Ruth, and Ruth is described. She's the young Moabite woman, came back with Naomi. She requested to glean, and she has been, from the time that the head of the reapers here gave her permission to do so, knowing that Boaz would want to show this kindness, and to fulfill God's law as it was written. So then we come to verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now, listen, my daughter. So he gets her attention. Now is literally, haven't you heard? 
So he's getting her attention. He wants to make sure that she knows what his will is. Listen, my daughter. This phrase, my daughter, is a phrase of kindness, but it also shows that there's probably an age disparity between Boaz and Ruth. Boaz is probably 20 years older than Ruth is. Ruth being a young widow in her 20s, Boaz might be in his 40s. And he says, listen, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Now this indicates that there is potential danger in just being out anywhere among strangers. That Boaz knows Bethlehem is a small town, but he knows that in his small town there are some people who are not very virtuous and it wouldn't be very safe for a young woman to be out in some of those fields. So he tells her, stay here, this is where you're going to be safe. Keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? So he's got hired servants there. He doesn't know all the hired servants. Sometimes guys will harass young women. And so he warns the guys, don't harass Ruth. So he's looking out for her and letting her know that she can be secure here. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. So he's told them also, not only don't be mean to her, but give her some water when you go and you get the water. Then Ruth fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? Now, there's several things that you notice about Ruth here. One we already pointed out is her initiative. She's not lazy, she's not sitting around, she's not entitled, and she's also not proud. When a man shows kindness to her, she's not like, well, it's about time. (laughs) No. She recognizes her place. She recognizes that she's a foreigner. She recognizes this is not her people. She recognizes that a humble status is what she has, and that's the place that she takes. So the humility here is very beautiful on Ruth's part. That's what we see in Ruth. She's got all of the characteristics that you are told about in Proverbs that you want in a person. You find in Ruth and you find in Boaz. The book of Ruth is like the book of Proverbs in narrative form. And you can read through Proverbs and you're like, oh yeah, there's Boaz. Oh yeah, there's Ruth. Oh yeah, there's Naomi. And it's just beautiful to see how wisdom works in action throughout the book. So Boaz is kind and Ruth is humble. She recognizes that she's a foreigner, She recognizes that she has no rights here, and yet she recognizes that she is being shown this favor, this kindness by Boaz, who's looking out for all of her needs, her social needs, her physical needs, making her feel welcomed. That's very important when you are a foreigner in another place. So Boaz's character gave her food, safety, drink, and welcome. Now, pick it up in verse 11. Actually, still in verse 10. So she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge." So Boaz's motivation is is that he knows about Ruth. He knows her character. He knows her actions and her deeds. And he wants her to be rewarded for what she has done. Good deeds lead to good consequences. And noble people value nobility in others. When someone shows kindness, you want that person to be shown kindness in return if you are a kind person. And so you see that playing out here that Boaz has a motivation to look out for Ruth 
because of her virtue, because of her character, because of her deeds of kindness towards another Israelite and a family member of his. Now, Ruth thanks Boaz in verse 13. She said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord. Notice the humility. She calls him my Lord. For you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant. She takes the lowly place, though I am not one of your servants. And then verse 14, you see even more kindness, therefore, is heaped upon her. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her the roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves. Do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and and leave it to her. Help her out a little bit. She's working hard here today. Give her some easy stuff to pick up. And leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So it's not like you leave some out, and then she takes it, and then you you set a trap for her, and you, you can say, Hey, you're not supposed to take that. But instead, he's making sure that the young men are acting in the way that he wants them to act towards her. So even more kindness is coming to Ruth from Boaz. Let's continue on. Verses 17 through 22. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and that was about an ephah of barley. Now, an ephah of barley is about 29 pounds of barley. So she's going home with about half a month wages in barley. She's had a a great haul, much more than Naomi would have expected her to bring back because she's been getting help from Boaz. She comes back with an ephah of barley, 29 pounds, and she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She's like, whoa, wow. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied, the roasted grain that they had had at the mealtime. And so her mother-in-law says, well, yeah, you, you found the right field today. And her mother-in-law said, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Blessed be the man. Blessings on blessings. One person blesses another, and then they get blessed by someone else, and they return the blessing. This is how life is supposed to be. This is how a community is supposed to be. Blessing one another with our words and with our actions. What a great example. May he be blessed of the Lord, whose kindness was not... Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped the verse. So, blessed be the man. And Ruth told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. The living, Ruth and Naomi, the dead, Elimelech, the kindness is being shown towards Elimelech by showing kindness towards his widow and his daughter-in-law. So the Lord is showing his kindness through people. The Lord shows his kindness through kind people. When you see kind people in the world, don't just thank people, thank the Lord. The Lord is the one who has given the kindness in the heart of those who have it. So, may he be blessed by the Lord. And Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. There is coming a key word in the story, the story of redemption. That in Israel, there was redemption laws throughout the Torah for land and for families. There was a danger that a family line would end without children and that God didn't want family lines to end if there was anything that could be done about it. And so God created the law of the kinsman redeemer 
where a near relative would be able to marry the widow of a deceased man and raise up offspring who would carry on the name of that deceased man and give him a family, give him an inheritance for the future. It's called the Law of the Kinsman Redeemer. Leveret marriage is another name for it. But also the redemption of property was a a key part of the law of Israel. The land was very important in God's promises to Israel, and he wanted to make sure that the land would stay with the family that God gave it to, and that it wouldn't, by disaster, by personal tragedy, a family would lose their land and their inheritance. And so both the offspring and the land were big in the Abrahamic promises, a big part of the community of Israel. And here, Elimelech's land and Elimelech's line is in danger of being completely lost because of the death of Malon and Chilion. And so here, Naomi says there's some hope in this man Boaz because he is a close relative. He is a redeemer according to God's law. We'll see how that story plays out. Then, She said, Ruth the Moabite said, she adds to it, Besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. So there's the first harvest and then there's the second harvest. And so for a period of two months, Ruth is going to work in Boaz's field. This is very generous for Boaz to say, I'm going to shoulder the entire burden of Ruth and Naomi and they don't have to go to other fields, but that Ruth can work in my field for every day for both harvests, and that's going to be quite a lot of grain that he is giving away. And grain was their money, grain was their wealth in that time. And so he's sharing of the wealth that he has very generously with Ruth and Naomi. And so Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, in verse 22, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. This is a dangerous time. Not everybody's a good person in Israel. It's God's grace that there is a Boaz there as a good and kind man for Ruth's sake. So, verse 23, she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Young women, don't be foolish. Recognize it's a dangerous world. There are bad men in the world. Don't go to places by yourself. Stick close to other young women. Make sure you're in a safe place. Don't assume that everyone is going to treat you right and that everything is going to be okay. Don't put yourself in a dangerous position and you will avoid a lot of problems. Amen? Amen. That's what Ruth and Naomi and Boaz were making sure that Ruth stayed safe during this time where she was single without a father to protect her, without a husband to protect her. Be wise and have someone that's looking out for you. Then chapter 3. Let's continue the story on here. So she stays for both harvests. God is demonstrating his kindness through the kindness of strangers, although they are related. And that God is rewarding kindness with blessing and further kindness. With this righteousness in action continues in chapter 3. We're going to continue to see Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz as models of wisdom and kindness. They have self-sacrifice, they exemplify humility, and industry. This is a wonderful story of people that we want to model our lives after. So what's going to happen next? We've been introduced to Boaz. We've been told that he's the kinsman redeemer. Ruth's working in his field. And Naomi comes up with the plan in verses 1 through 4. Let's read about it. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, Naomi's plan. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? 
Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say, I will do. Notice that Naomi is looking out for Ruth. She calls her my daughter. Doesn't call her my daughter-in-law. She calls her my daughter. And she says, shouldn't I seek rest for you? Rest means security. Rest means a home. Rest means stability. Rest means, in this case, a marriage. And Naomi is playing the matchmaker. She has seen the way that Boaz has acted towards Ruth. She knows Boaz's situation, and she says, well, Boaz, being an older man, it's not appropriate for him to ask you to marry him. But if you go and you do what I tell you to do, he'll get the point. He'll get the idea that you are asking him if he will be the kinsman redeemer and marry you. And so that's the plan. Ruth says she's going to do it, and then she does it. She follows exactly the wisdom, the advice of the older woman. Young women, listen to older women. God gives you a family. God gives you women who are wise. Listen to the counsel and the instruction they give you because they are seeking for your good, for your rest. And that's the way older women should be. Older women shouldn't be bitter towards the young women and saying, I wish I was young and I could do all the things that you're going to do. But instead, we want the young women to have a good life and enjoy all the blessings that God has given into our life. And even if we haven't had those blessings, we don't have a bitterness in our heart, but we want others to experience them out of that kindness, that goodness that God puts into the hearts of his children. You see that with Naomi, a beautiful woman. So verse 6. She went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. Now nothing untoward is happening here. This is just a, a part of their culture where they would symbolize this type of marriage proposal. And there's no promiscuity being implied or anything like that. These are both righteous people, upright, and they're doing things according to God's word and according to the customs, the right customs of their people. So she goes down, just as her mother-in-law said, uncovered the blanket from his feet and lay down there. At midnight, verse 8, the man was startled. At midnight, the man was startled. And he turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. That would be surprising. Who are you? He said. And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Now, we haven't been told that that's what Naomi told her to say, but I'm pretty sure that's what Naomi told her to say. You are a redeemer. Spread your wings over your servant. I am Ruth, your servant. Again, the humble place. And she identifies herself by name, which is fitting here in this marriage proposal as it is. And he, recognizing who she is and what she has asked for, replies in verse 10. We get Boaz's response, and we see more of Boaz's righteousness here in what he says. He said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. 
You have made this last kindness greater than the first. What was the first kindness? It was returning with Naomi and taking care of Naomi. What's this last kindness? It's asking to be redeemed by Boaz, not just for Ruth's sake, that she needs a husband, but for Elimelech's sake, who needs a descendant, and for Naomi's sake, for the sake of the whole family that Ruth has married into, she's seeking to fulfill what is right according to God's law in marrying Boaz. This is a kindness that Ruth is showing towards the family of her deceased husband. She's, uh, and so he says, This last kindness is greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. You know, sometimes young women, they're looking for the rich guy. Sometimes they're looking for the young, fun guy. And here Ruth is not going after the rich guy or the fun guy. She's going for the guy who is good. And she's going for the guy who can bless her family. And so Boaz recognizes this. And he blesses her for it. May you be blessed by the Lord. And now, he says in verse 11, My daughter, again that word of kindness showing their age difference. He tells her, do not fear. And, of course, you're doing a forward act like this. You do have some fear in your heart. And so he reassures her and he speaks to her heart and tells her, Don't fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. There's that word once again. Chapter 3, verse 11 says that Ruth is well known as a worthy woman. And this is how Boaz was described back in the previous chapter. Boaz was described as a worthy man. Now the word here for worthy is a word that is used throughout the Hebrew scriptures, but particularly in the part of the scriptures that are written around the lifetime of David and Solomon. And it refers to usually a man. And when it refers to a man, it refers to like someone who's a mighty soldier, someone who's powerful, and it has the same root word as the word for army or wealth. And so you kind of get that idea there. And it's used in this context to refer to people who are virtuous, people who are upstanding, people who are well-known for their virtue in their community. The most famous use of this word for worthy is in Proverbs chapter 31, where the writer of that section of Proverbs says that a worthy woman is difficult to find and that her value is far beyond jewels and gold. And so Proverbs 31 describes the righteous, the virtuous woman, and Ruth is the embodiment of that righteous and virtuous woman. And it's neat to see how Proverbs, probably written by Solomon, ties together with, with Ruth, who is, we're going to find out, the great-grandmother of David, and that God bookends the worthy woman with Ruth, and Proverbs chapter 31 right there in David's household. Now, as we look into the chapter a little bit further, he's just commended her for being a worthy woman, a virtuous woman, a woman of excellence. And it says now in verse 12, now it is true, there's a problem, okay? So he agrees to redemption. He says, don't fear, I'm going to do whatever I can for you. But there is one little thing that needs to be taken care of first. And he says... It is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. This shows you that Boaz was already thinking about it. He wasn't totally caught off guard. He was already thinking about who is the right redeemer for Elimelech's family? Who would be the, the one to, to marry the widow, Ruth? 
and he goes, oh, there's someone who has a first right to redeem the family and to redeem the property. And he says, I've got to do things right. I've got to do things according to God's law. So there's someone that is nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good. No matter what, you're going to be redeemed, I guarantee you. If he'll do it, you're going to be redeemed. But if he's not willing to redeem you, and I hope that's the case, you can kind of get Boaz's idea, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So they both lie down until the morning, and she arises before dawn. And you wonder if either of them got any sleep after this, right? She's thinking about, well, who is this other redeemer and what's he going to say and what's going to happen? And she's got all these thoughts going in her mind. And Boaz is thinking, well, what am I going to do in the morning when I get up? And who do I go and talk to? And how do I get this taken care of? So I I doubt that either of them got any sleep for the rest of the night from, from midnight until dawn. Maybe they did. And so anyway, she arises and you pick it up in verse 14. Boaz said to his servants, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Why doesn't he want it to be known? Probably to prevent gossip, but it might also have something to do with the redemption that he is planning, and he doesn't want things being talked about before he has a chance to arrange things in the best possible manner. And then verse 15, he said to Ruth, bring the garment that you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came back to her mother-in-law, she's, the mother-in-law said, how did you fare, my daughter? You can see the, the mother-in-law waiting on pins and needles, as the saying goes. Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. That's great. I love the conversation that goes on there between Ruth and Naomi. And Naomi, being the older woman, she knows how all this is going to go. And she says, I know that Boaz is going to have this on the first thing on his agenda. He's not going to dilly-dally. He's going to get right to this. So we won't have to wait too long to find out what happens. That leads us then to the wonderful conclusion in chapter 4. Because of time's sake, I'm not going to read and walk through chapter 4 But the point is, is that the other guy who is not important decides that he doesn't want to redeem. And so Boaz gets to be the kinsman redeemer and they get married. And we can pick that up there in verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her and the Lord gave her conception. She bore a son and the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. Notice how many times the Lord is being blessed in chapters 2 through 4. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. It starts with Naomi and here it ends with Naomi. And you see that her story was not a tragedy, but her story was one of great joy. And it says there, your daughter-in-law who loves you who is more to you than seven sons. The love, that devotion that she has given is is more than many women experience from seven sons. This daughter-in-law loves Naomi so much that she has given birth to this child, this son. So Naomi took the child, laid him on her lap, and became his nurse. She went out full, she came back empty, and the Lord filled her up once again. The women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. 
You can imagine little David, 10 years old, sitting with his mom and dad and saying, tell me the story about how my grandpa was born. Tell me the story about how my great-grandma married and met my great-grandpa, Boaz. I want to hear that story again. And that was all part of God preparing a ray of light, hope, not only for the family of Elimelech, but for all of the house of Israel. And so that this story of God's good providence, this story of God's redemption, this story of God's kindness and God's blessing is a testimony to the blessing that God gave the people of Israel a king after his own heart. And that though the people of Israel had worshipped other gods, they'd broken God's covenant, and they had all the dark days of the judges, that God brought them a righteous king at the right time, and he did it through this beautiful redemption story, bringing hope from the unlikeliest of places, from a Moabite woman who was a widow. And from her, God brought the nation great blessing. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, our hearts are encouraged by the example of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi who sought not after their own interests or their own good, but for those around them whose hearts were full of kindness and blessing and who therefore received kindness and blessing in return. Father, we pray that we might be that type of people. When it's difficult, when it's hard, Lord, may we continue to bless others and to look out for the needs of others and to be like the Lord Jesus Christ in this way, who sought not after his own interests, but laid down his life for ours. Lord, we pray that as we bless others, your blessing would be upon us, not necessarily for wealth or for health or for this age, but for the age to come, as you have promised that you take notice of even a cup of water being given to one of your servants in the name of Jesus Christ and that we will not lose our reward. We thank you, Lord God, that you are a God who rewards the righteous and we have that to look forward to, not because of our worth, not because of our goodness, but because of your grace in Jesus Christ who has redeemed us and given us new life when we had lost everything. Amen.